So clearly this guy was like, okay, I'm going to move. And then another guy, his coworker goes, (laughs) shut up. He's like, I just moved out here too. We're neighbors now. (laughs) Anyway, what did you guys want to talk about? (laughs) I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Uh, so, Ben, did you uh, know what's special about this uh, podcast episode? I almost forgot, but it's the 50th episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 50 episodes <laughs> oh, of Product Journey. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, pretty exciting. I forgot to wear my, my uh, happy 50th anniversary t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're excited to have Justin Jackson here with us. We always love t- talking to Justin. We've had him on before. And uh, I think the first time we talked a lot about uh picking a market and market validation and your thoughts around that and we thought you know 50th episode it'd just be good to kind of continue that conversation with you kind of the next step of that in some ways Mm -hmm. i think me and ben are still talking about the same stuff (laughs) 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 we're still trying to figure this out so 50 episodes later we're we're still kind of like trying to validate what we're doing our ideas our what market we're working in our positioning and uh, so yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of hear some of your thoughts on continuation on that, like where you guys took that with Transistor. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think we have some questions around that. But um, yeah, first, Justin, could you kind of take us to with Transistor? What was the point where you're kind of like, okay, I think like this is it. Like, let's keep going down this path. We're on the right trajectory here. What mm. was that moment for you guys? I mean. Oh, there goes the professional setup, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbbell just uh, that fell over. That did not go well. <laughs> we were just saying Ben's mic setup looked super pro, but then it, it just it just fell. Um, let me just pull up my Stripe numbers because I sometimes when I look at it on a calendar, I can kind of remember what it was like. So mm-hmm. I do. So we launched in early 2018 so february 2018 we uh sorry that was early access and so you know we made 400 dollars that month and i remember feeling like you know by july 2018 it's 600 dollars and i was like okay like i knew we were in early access but even then I, i remember being impatient and then uh, we launched, and I wrote a post about kind of the existential crisis of that. I think it's called Bootstrapper's Paradox, where I'm I'm just kind of thinking, okay, we're about to launch, and we at we were at like 700 bucks MRR or something like that, 781, and I'm like, okay, let's just say after we launch, we double MRR to 1500. And then I plugged it, my numbers into that bare metrics forecast calendar. And I'm like, okay, well, if we have reasonable growth over the next, you know, however, how long is it going to take us to get to 20,000? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which seems to be like the kind of default alive now for a SaaS business is 10,000 MRR per founder. I think it's actually a little bit deceiving, though, uh, that $10,000 number. It, it's weird. It's like we've been we've been saying like a hundred thousand dollars a year is 
a pretty good salary for like 20 years. You know, it's never like <laughs> changed. Yeah. And and in reality, like if you live in most places in Europe and most big metro areas in the States, besides the Midwest, um, $10,000 a month in revenue before expenses is probably not going to be enough. But anyway, it default alive, 10000 And at the time, you know, I was like, oh, it's going to take five years to get there. And that just felt like so far away. And we launched and we, you know, we, I think we more than doubled MRR, but it still felt really slow. And I don't think it really felt real until probably, yeah, probably January, February of 2019. Um, and April of 2019 is when I went full time officially, even though I was working a ton on it before. So, I, yeah, I don't know if that answers yeah. the question. But. So it's funny because so this last month or two, uh, you know, you guys kind of took uh, off with Build Your Sash, right? And so I was like, mm -hmm. you know, what? I'm just going to take this time to go back because I, I started Build Your Sass, I don't know, maybe midway through all your episodes right now. And I went to mm -hmm. the very beginning and I've binged through all of them now. <laughs> oh, wow. And um it was interesting because there was this time where you were like talking with John about uh, kind of like wanting to like maybe try out funding of some sort. Like you could kind of hear like some worried like ness in oh, your yeah. voice. And then somewhere in there, it just kind of switched. But there, I don't know if you guys necessarily talked about it though. Like it almost like all of a sudden things were kind of better, but um, it was almost yeah. missed in the podcast, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, it was, we, we do refer back to that in a few episodes, but when I look back on that time, I was flailing. Uh, my stress was all financial because I was basically just surviving off mega maker revenue, um, and putting all my time and effort into transistor and just loving it, like loving being, you know, I mean, those first customers on Transistor, like I would spend hours helping them set up their account and customizing their podcast website. Like I was, you know, I was uh, going overboard. The, but the financial stress of, okay, we've been working on this for a while. When is this, you know, and my wife is like, okay, like, you know, when's this going to happen? And that's when I, I started kind of flailing, like, okay, John, let's, start another app called spots.fm and let's mm -hmm. uh let's look into funding and i was looking into republic which is a kind of a, a kickstarter-esque funding platform for startups i was you know throwing around the idea of la like launching another course or something i just the money worry was was heavy on me mm -hmm. and john had the opposite problem john was you know, burning the candle on both ends, he'd go do a full day of work, stare at a screen all day, and then, you know, come home and I'd have a list of things for him to fix <laughs> on Transistor. And, uh, you know, uh, he was just kind of getting burnt out. Uh, so he, his was a time stress and mine was a financial stress. And 
Uh, and some people experience both of those at the same time. They're working a full-time job and they're, uh, you know, the, the money part is stressful. Uh, yeah. And, and honestly, um, so that summer, the summer of 2019, I think we just started paying me $5,000 a month, which was just enough to kind of like pay my bills. But I remember the calm that I had was just unmistakable. And my parents came to visit and my dad sat down with me and he's like, I've never seen you this calm. <laughs> um, and in some ways, you know, I think people who have listened to the show since, you know, April or August of that year, because John went full time in August, we get a lot more chill <laughs> after yeah. that. Like it, it's once you kind of reach that point where you're not worried about money. Uh, we had this reliable, you know, uh, we had reliable marketing channels coming in. It just, it was more calm. But in the beginning, yeah, I mean, I, I, you can listen to, uh, I did this interview with Jason Cohen where I'm really stressed out. Um, Jason Cohen of WP Engine. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's like, and, and unfortunately, and then I also, I wrote this email to uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen. And uh, John was like, he was like, man, when you get stressed out, you just start bugging millionaires. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't ask them for money, did you? <laughs> no, I was I wasn't asking them for money, but I was just like, what, like, what do I do? And unfortunately, the only advice you can give somebody in that situation, and the, the advice they gave me was like, well, you're just gonna have to see if it works out. Like, there's, there's. There's nothing else you can do, right? Now, they did give me some, some like reasonable, you know, some like reasonable benchmarks. Like Jason Cohen said, you know, if you've been working on it for two years, reasonably, you know, in a reasonable manner, and you're still not at ten thousand dollars MRR per founder, he said, I I think the fundamentals probably aren't good enough, and you should you should switch to something else. And uh, David said, you know, with Basecamp, there's an indie hackers thread on this where he replied to me and he said, you know, with Basecamp, I think they were at 30,000 MRR within a couple months. So their experience was just so different, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that color is still helpful because it, it, it shows that, you know, everybody is stressed about money. <laughs> and if, you know, if after three years, Basecamp was only making a thousand dollars a month, it would have probably been a different story for them. So, uh, yeah, looking back on it now, it's interesting because I was so stressed. And, um, once we hit a certain benchmark, all of a sudden it was like, Oh wow, this feels different. Um, and I don't think I felt that really until at least a year after when we started to see some of these marketing channels get traction and yeah, and then started paying me monthly and then John was able to quit. Then it felt like, okay, now this is real and let's just see, 
you know, where we go from here. Yeah, the other, I mean, thing, you know, that that shows when you're asking you're asking people their experiences and stuff is that everyone has such different experience with this you know because there's just so many different variables there's different markets we're working on there's different uh number of founders different you know talents Mm -hmm. and skills so it's just like i don't know for me like it's just really hard to gauge like am i on the right path with this like what what signs and signals should be should i be expecting at the on at this point to know i'm in the right direction and i think that's kind of the question at least i'm struggling with uh maybe ben can share uh if he's the same way but yeah it's just that thinking about that and then you know it does stress you out (laughs) because you're just like thinking about it you're like oh man i don't want to like keep going down this path if it's just kind of wasting my time or you know things like that Mm -hmm. um yeah 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 I think that's exactly what's stressing me out right now or in, in the past. I think the last episode showed that pretty well that I was, you know, like <laughs> I feel a little stuck right now and I don't know if, I, if I'm if i on the right track or if I'm just wasting time and I want to know it like as soon as possible. I, I, I guess mm-hmm. you felt the same way. Like even money aside, you probably had your doubts if it's going to work out or not because the first people coming in were just out of your network and that, you know, d- didn't really, really count because, you, you know, they wanted to support you. Um, so you probably had that fear as yeah. well, right? Yeah, although one thing that helped is our numbers were public at the time. And so when I was talking to Jason Cohen, I was able to show him my numbers. When I was talking to, I had a really good call with with Josh Pigford at Bear Metrics, And he just said, listen, I look at metrics all day <laughs> and I can't promise you anything, but he said, look at your month-over-month growth. It's really healthy. Look at how many trials you're getting. It's really healthy. And, you know, compare that to some other people and that were also public. And when we compared our numbers to other kind of folks, it was, like, apparent that we were onto something. Um, and I also had, like, people... I mean, it's one thing to get VCs cold emailing you and saying they want to invest. But at the time, um, we were also getting emails from like people in the bootstrap community that were like, hey, we'd like to invest. Uh, and that was that also made me feel like, OK, they're seeing something in our public numbers that, you know, is is attractive to them. So I think there are milestones that show you you're on the right track. A lot of people don't know, I, I had this other SaaS experiment called Network Effects, which was like a, a bulk SMS tool that integrated with Slack. And so you, could, you would get SMS replies in Slack and you could reply to them mm. in Slack. And you could also send out bulk SMS messages. Uh, and there's some cool tech in there like, if they replied with certain keywords, you could tag them and then set off automation campaigns based on those replies. So it was cool. And we got like a write up in Twilio. Um, We, you know, I, I did, I sprinkled all the magical marketing pixie dust (laughs) that I normally do. Right. And, uh, and it just like, I'm looking at the numbers right now, like first month we had three, new customers and then 11 when we launched and then it was down to zero and then three 
and then two, and then, you know, so it's like we're getting, you know, maybe two customers a month. And that feeling of, I remember at the time going, hmm, I wonder if I should just double down on this. <laughs> you know, like if I just doubled down on it and I treated it seriously, maybe it would be better. And I'm not convinced of that. Um, there are different variables here. Like maybe there just wasn't good founder market or founder product fit for me. Like it wasn't the right product for me. But just the kind of customers that were signing up and the kinds of things they wanted to do. You know, there's people that wanted to use it for spamming people. There was like a poker site that wanted to use it. Uh, real estate agents wanted to use it. And it none of them seemed like great customers. <laughs> Fun customers. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and if there had been a ton of them signing up, like if there had been a wave of signups, I would have maybe changed my mind. But, you know, like we were well known. We were ranking for the keywords that we should have ranked for in that sector, that product category. While we were running it, two of our competitors went out of business. It was like all the signs were kind of bad. Um, and I know there's more of these tools that have launched since, and maybe they're doing better. Like maybe they hit the wave at the right time. But I'm pretty convinced that uh, if I doubled down, it wouldn't have helped. And we can see this already in the bootstrapping community. Like, you know, there's some people who've been working on an idea for five years and they still haven't hit $10,000 in MRR. And that might be fine for them. Like maybe that's the perfect fit, but some product categories just have more momentum and more upward potential than others. And it's something, I get in trouble for saying this because it, it's like, People, I don't know, people don't like to hear it, but, um, and I, I wrote a post about this and I used MoraWare as an example and people thought I was like slamming them or something. I wasn't slamming them. Um, they, they're just like, they're in a very niche market. Uh, they make software for cabinet makers, I think. And it's an amazing business today. Like it's incredible, but the founders are on record saying, if they had to do it all over again, they wouldn't have <laughs> chosen that niche. And uh, so not to take away anything from what they've done and the business they've built, like they employ 20, 30 people or something. It's incredible what they've done. But your, your biggest risk in bootstrapping is you're going to either burn out or run out of money. And if you want to increase your chances, I think you want to at least have some sense of like, yeah, am I on the right track? That question we ask ourselves of that angst we have, the, the thing that keeps us up at night of am I working on the right thing is probably the right question to be asking because and exploring because if you just close your eyes and, go, and, and yeah. you know, for five years and hope for the best, um, it, there is an opportunity cost for everything you choose to do. And Des Trainer said something interesting when I wrote that post because it, it it made a big splash. People, some people, you know, that Bootstrapper's Paradox post. Des Trainer from Intercom said um, the other thing new entrepreneurs don't consider is the opportunity cost 
of investing your time for you know years into something that might not work out and you don't get that time back and that time could have been used for something else so there's obviously you you want to balance it like you can't stress yourself out too much because you know if i'd stressed myself out too much i would have just quit transistor that would have been no good but on the other hand you got to balance this with this question of am i on the right track and that's why i tweeted that 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 tweet about number of trials and leads you should be getting every month yeah because i think that is a reasonable metric to look at which is um how many how hard is it to get new leads and so many of us are used to working in consulting businesses where you know if you get one or two leads a month you might be golden right as long as you can close a reasonable amount of those you're fine and you can spend all sorts of time you know helping those people along until they become a customer but SaaS most SaaS businesses don't work that way most SaaS businesses especially bootstrapped ones um, you need people to be kind of finding you every day the same way that magically people find the Starbucks every day they just like wake up and they know where it is and they line up um, you kind of want that feeling I think with SaaS, you want people lined up outside your door every day. Yeah, you don't want to have to be, you know, there's only so many resources. So if you're having to put a lot of your time into going and finding people, like that's a lot of the the work that if that gets, if that engine just kind of works on its own, like that's kind of what you want as a, stu- as a bootstrapper, it seems like. Yeah, unless you want to change your business model. If you want to sell like a $5,000 ticket item, then you can, mm-hmm. um, you know, do it the other way. But, um, and I'm not saying you're not going to have to spend some time onboarding people and doing customer support, but there should be this feeling of, of like for us, when my audience and network ran out and then the product hunt indie maker audience ran out, um, and you can see it in this chart I tweeted, it's like, we did our launch and there's a spike and then it trials go down and it wasn't until like four months later that we found a few channels that really started working for us and then that's when it started to feel like a business right like all of a sudden it's like oh wow like this isn't this this business model doesn't require me to like get up every day and like just grind this big wheel of like you know hype or you know I I have to somehow milk my audience and the indie hacker network or whatever. Uh, it's like no, this just works on its own in the sense that people hear about us the same way that they hear about Starbucks. Like, where's the closest Starbucks tour? you know closest to me like they search for it they find it and they go and buy coffee um we started to experience the they search for podcast hosting they find us and then they sign up and once that engine started working that that's when it really was like okay now this is a business and um some of that was luck and some of it was planned 
but yeah, it, it, it kind of has to work on its own. You have to find a market and then some channels that are going to reliably bring in leads every month. Do you, do you remember the four months between the indie hackers running out and finding the channel? What did you do in those? Yeah, I mean, it was, I had a good conversation with Ruben Gamez at MicroConf. I mean, uh, can I just like step in aside here for a second? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like the, 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 there are so many conversations I had in that time that really helped. And I, I'm not sure that everyone realizes how much, like even like your most successful solopreneur bootstrapper, they are talking to people behind the scenes all the time, asking for advice, uh, being stressed out, needing, you know, needing counseling. Um, and, you know, I had this conversation with Ruben Gamez at MicroConf, which was, right before we had launched officially and he said oh you know what this looks like to me this looks like the web hosting game back in you know 10 15 years ago and here's what they did and so here's what i would focus on if i was you and then he followed that conversation up with you know walking through what he was seeing in hrefs and that helped right it 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 set me down a path of investing in content and seo yeah. Uh, I, that same microconf, I had a conversation with Nate, Nathan Barry. Um, and I'd always known that affiliates were a pretty big driver of their growth. Um, and you know, it, it just kind of confirmed it again. And as I was thinking about our market, it felt like we had a lot of similarities with ConvertKit. And so we, we had a strong sense that affiliates would be big for us too. So Yeah, I mean, I think we were hopeful because, like, first of all, like, I'd never launched my own SaaS app that, <clears throat> sorry, I'd never launched my own SaaS app that had reached $2,000 MRR. So part of me was, like, already, like, stoked because it was like, okay, well, here we go, right? Like, we're off to the races. Um, but, You know, yeah, soon after that, I'm like, okay, well, the next goal is five, <laughs> and then the next goal is 10, and, you know, uh, and, yeah, once we hit 20, it was like, okay, yes, this is great, and um, we've been fortunate that it's kept growing. Yeah, so one of the things that I feel like, for me, makes it hard to, like, gauge if um, I'm on the right track and, like, looking at metrics and stuff is like in some ways i don't even feel like my product is to it's not to the vision that i kind of foresaw it to be like the full the full product like like some bootstrappers you know it takes them you know it really depends on the product and the market like it can take them like a year just to get kind of their first version that's actually like something that people will pay for and so mm -hmm. like you know i wanted to launch as quick as possible so i kind of put out the smallest feature set But really, you know, you know, it's an MVP, but really is it to the point where lots of people are going to pay for it? And so, like, I kind of still feel like I'm still building my, my core product. And so it's kind of hard for me then to know, like, should I be expecting, um, you know, what should I be expecting on the funnel side for signups and things like that? When in some ways, I don't even feel like I've built out what I foresaw building yet, where 
mm-hmm. don't know, like with Transistor, were you were you feeling like you guys by the time you were seeing like the signups and and kind of the traction, did you feel like your product was there already? Or like how did you feel about where you were with that? Yeah, I mean, we already had a pretty good sense before we even launched because the that that there was going to be customers and that there was demand because we personally knew tons of people who hosted podcasts. Uh, and I was already reaching out to them saying, Hey, John and I are working on this thing. You know, if we launch it, would you be interested in helping us out and switching your podcast to us? Um, so we already had some commitments there and we could see other touchstones, right? Like we knew we could see people searching for podcast hosting and signing up for these things and talking about it on Twitter. And, you know, like there's a Facebook group that, uh, for this big podcast movement conference, it's like every second day someone asks what podcast hosting provider are you using? You know, and then there's like 20 replies. So we had a sense of there's something going in this market already uh, which I think is also important. Like that's one thing you can do before you've launched and before your product is is there is you can look at the category and you can say, okay, who's already buying in this category? Um, in the same way that you would go like, who's already buying coffee in Vernon uh, as opposed to bubble tea, right? And uh, if if there's just not much evidence that people are buying bubble tea, then it's probably not a good category to launch into uh, if you can't see any evidence, right? Like there should be something in the Slack groups you're in or the conversations you're having or just what you can see visibly, you know, on the internet. There should be some sense of there's other players here and in the category and, you know, people are buying in the category, and I think that was the problem with network effects is, you know, I just thought it was a cool idea. And, but there wasn't like a ton of evidence that I could see that, you know, there's a, these type of customers are buying this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, well maybe real estate agents could use it and maybe musicians could use it. And, uh, and in fact, now I almost see more evidence for it because I see a lot of musicians doing group SMS. But, you know, there's a secondary question there, which is, are those the kind of customers you want? But I think looking at looking for evidence that people are already buying in your category is one thing you can do even before you're there. And it, if it's not looking good, then it's like, it's just kind of like anything else. Like if you were going to sell your house and your realtor says, well, there's just not very many buyers right now, uh, that'd probably make you think twice about selling your house. And it's the same with a product. Like if there's a lot of buyers right now, that's probably a good time to launch. Um, if there doesn't seem to be very many buyers, then, uh, you know, that would be something I would think about. And I, I think that's where it gets interesting for me right now because I do think that the amount of trials I get, it's it's more than one per day right now this week, actually. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. I've never seen that much, you know, trialing users. They actually have to put in the email address, some of them sending emails to me. So I definitely see that there is demand for it. 
I, I feel like that's yeah. validated at this point. Um, but that's kind of yeah, where it by gets... By the way, all, all my advice doesn't apply to you, Ben, because you have to keep that service running forever <laughs> because I'm using it. <laughs> oh, I, should, I don't care how profitable it is. It's I should, just, you I, are... <laughs> I should think about what I'm saying right now because you're my customer. <laughs> but, Sorry, spot there. I, I shouldn't... I, I shouldn't interrupt you, but yeah. So you're saying you you feel like you are getting yeah some so I, pretty good I, I interest. I do think I see that some people are lining up, even though I'm making it hard for them to line up <laughs> um, at this point. And um, mm -hmm. by the way, if I was going to invest in you, I would say make it easier for people to sign up right now. <laughs> Just because mm -hmm. even if you even if it's manual, like a manual link you send them or something. Just make it easy for them to upgrade or just like uh, in the background, update their my account so that they can upgrade easily or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that at, at your stage, um, it's probably time to see what really happens, right? Because you don't know. You're just getting interest <laughs> and... Um, and your space is kind of heating up. Like there's a yeah. little bit of competitive pressure now with Circle. Yep. And so uh, you want to see if there's more interest in the space, you want to see how much of that you can actually capture and uh, having giving people the ability to sign up and convert will really help because now you'll have a sense of, you know, okay, well, I get two trials a day. That's like, you know, 60 trials a month. How many of those am I going to convert in a month? And then you can start to go, oh, okay, well, it, this looks, you know, not bad. And ours fluctuated between like, we, we convert quite a few of our um, trials. We're also credit card up front, um, which I think there's a lot of debate about this too, but when you're trying to validate like, okay, is this, like, is there enough momentum here? Having the customer sign up with a credit card just helps because it, they they have to have some skin in the game. You're gonna you're gonna have less signups, but it 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 get, it puts a little bit more friction in front of them. But it proves like no, they're highly motivated. Yeah. And then the advantage is that you should see some just automatically some conversion, right? Like uh, a high percentage of people who sign up for Transistor credit card up front convert after the 14-day trial. Yeah, that pretty much answers the question I didn't really ask. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, because right now it's literally just seeing the demand, but I don't really know if I'm, I'll be able to actually capture so much or enough of that that I'm actually seeing right now. And as you just mentioned, Circle just going public this week. And if you look at what they've built, it's not even that far away from what Playgroup can do. Um, mm -hmm. That's a little scary. And they, they've got like millions in the bank and I'm just a single guy sitting here. So I'm, I'm a little worried yeah. about that. Yeah, but you can leverage that because most of the customers are just uh, solo people sitting in their living room, right? So you can say, I'm the independent, hey, it's... I, if I was you, I would go full story mode. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm building this thing independently. Uh, it's already being used by these communities, people like you. And um, yeah, we've got some big venture-backed competition. 
but I feel like I understand the needs of independent makers better than them. I'm one of you. Uh, I don't have millions of dollars in the bank, right? <laughs> it's just me. And, uh, you know, I've already built something as one person. I've built something that's comparable to this big venture backed thing, right? It's like, I, I think people respect that. <laughs> that yeah, I mean, good. I, that's that's good, Justin. I've been trying to encourage Ben, too, with this because, like, yeah, he, he has some competition. But I think it just shows, you know, Circle, I forget how much they raised. It was quite a bit. But uh, that just raises the bar for them. Like, they have to go really big. And, you know, all you have to do with Playgroup is just get a tiny bit of that. And it can work, you know, for you and make a really good business for your customers. And so the bar is a lot lower uh, but yeah, I, I definitely like what you're talking about, Justin, like I definitely see the demand and the need for what Playgroup is in that space. So I think mm -hmm. you're you're on track, Ben, just trying to encourage you here. <laughs> <laughs> the other nice thing about having a, a bigger uh, kind of incumbent is you can start to see, you know, like I could plug in circle.so into hrefs and just already see like where are they getting their traffic, where are their backlinks coming from, what keywords are they ranking for, and it it is going to give you the clues you need to figure out how you're going to run your marketing machine. So their number one referrer is Pat Flynn, Smart Passive yeah. Income. I was kind of expecting that. <laughs> so that means that um, and. Number three on the list is MemberSpace, a you know fellow bootstrapped company, and that's from their some sort of integration. Yep. I would reach out to MemberSpace and say, "Hey, I'd love to do an integration with you." That would be an integration probably worth doing. Yeah, right? that's true. So I I think, yeah, I think the uh, it's it's I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with being second or third <laughs> you know like circle's gonna spend all this marketing money and it's gonna spend you know they're just like bushwhacking through the forest <laughs> and you get to walk behind in their in their wake and just like you know you're gonna be more agile you're gonna be more responsive to customers um big companies are slow mm -hmm. and and they waste money That's sounds true. like a plan <laughs> <laughs> yeah so one of the things that's been helping me with this question just like thinking through like okay am i on the right path is that from what i'm doing what i'm building i can see a lot of adjacent like products and adjacent um different angles i could go into where it's like okay if i if i do end up kind of hitting a dead end here like i can kind of switch over to that fairly easily and then kind of keep going and so it just mm -hmm. kind of gives me some uh, just confidence that like, you know, what I'm working on is just kind of going, like, just getting me closer to whatever that is that I, I do end up with and uh, yeah. learning a ton along the way. And so that's that's helped me kind of in some ways, sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it does help me with some of the stress levels of like, okay, I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. the right thing. I mean, um, I, I, I think it's almost always worth building something and doing it in public. And this has been proven over and over again. Read Adam Wathen's retrospective about how they got to Tailwind. It's just like, 
it, Tailwind was an accident because he was working on another thing that was, <laughs> you know, brought on by this other event and then meeting this person. Like, there's, it's just a long line of, uh, you know, he was working on a SaaS app initially that never worked, never got launched. And Tailwind was just like a small piece of it. And so I think when you're at the early stage, and I mean, everyone hates to hear this because I definitely didn't want to hear this, but <laughs> like it's early stage. It's very, you. it's judo. You're like flowing with what comes at you <laughs> and adapting. And the you have to be willing to give some things up so that you can move on to the next thing. But it's all like every step of the journey is what gets you to that, that idea that worked. And so, you know, for you, support man might not be the thing. Uh, it might be a thing, but it, that's always a part of it is like, okay, I'm doing this in public. I'm building it. I'm learning it. And you're going to have a conversation that, you know, like with a customer that you refer back to in six months and go, oh, well, except that customer was really needing this thing. And, you know, that'll send you down that path. But it's the iteration. And seriously, look at every single story. Adam Wathen, Josh Pigford, Nathan Berry, like all of these stories, there's a, a succession of events that lead them to the thing that worked. And it's all, they're all nodes that are connected to each other. So mm -hmm. I think whatever you're building, especially if you're building it in public, that's worth doing. And especially if you can build it without too much financial pressure, um, you know, that became my problem is that in 2015, I went full time on marketing for developers and had a good year that year. But then I was like, I'd cut the cord and then I just needed to keep like trying to work on that machine. And there was a lot of financial pressure there, right? And sometimes I think people get stuck on kind of mediocre ideas because they've cut the cord too early. But if you can work on things on the side and iterate, build connections, have experiences, learn things, and then eventually, you know, you'll land on something that could really work. I like it. Yeah, it's worth doing. I mean, and it is weird for me to be here now. And again, I always say this, like, I could wake up tomorrow and this could all be gone. Like that, that's the other, that's the side when you get on my side is like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing well, but still every day you wake up and you go, Oh, I hope it's still here, <laughs> you know? Um, and that, I don't, I mean, that anxiety diminishes a little bit um, because it's, it is pretty unlikely that all of our customers would cancel in a single day. Um, but um, even though I'm here now, I remember being back before we had this traction and before I had Transistor and just being like, when's it going to happen? Like, when's it going to happen for me? And I was already old, you know? I was, like, older than all my friends. And I'd become too popular too quick, which also sucked, because I was well-known, but all my friends were super successful. And so I was always, like, feeling like, 
ah, like, you know, I, I, I just felt crappy all the time. And I was being held up to the standard of like, mm. you know, Nathan Barry and everything. And it was like, oh, like, and I'm, and I was already the oldest person in my peer group, right? Like I'm older than Adam Wathen and Nathan and Taylor Otwell and all the people I was hanging out with. Uh, it was brutal. Um, and so I remember being impatient going, okay, when's it going to happen for me? Like, you know, I'm, I keep working on ideas and sometimes I feel like I'm the butt of jokes, you know, like I, I, I've tried so many things and nothing works. And in that time I was, yeah, it was it, that feeling of when's it going to happen is hard. And then you fast forward and I'm like, Oh, well, geez, like the fact that I just kept going and I got rid of bad ideas. Like I didn't stick with bad ideas for too long. And I, you know, moved on and I kept talking to people and I kept asking for advice and kept trying new things and kept putting things out there. And, um, that all ended up helping. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's no guarantees in life, but certainly you keep working, you keep putting on, putting stuff out in public, you keep, you know, talking about it, you keep making connections. Uh, there's a much higher chance that something's going to happen for you. And uh, again, there's no, no guarantees, but that, that was certainly my experience and everybody else that I know that's had some measure of success. Yeah. So, well, thanks for sharing uh, this with us. I mean, we're this question of, are we on the right path? Like, as we talked about, we're, we didn't completely answer it because, you know, we can't, <laughs> we, we just need to keep asking the question and uh, hopefully that will keep leading us down the right path uh, yeah. So yeah this was helpful uh thanks for just, sharing I, just to summarize because i want to make sure it is clear <laughs> you should be asking the question are you on the right path and there should be some touchstones along the way that show you're on the right path whether that is signups people converting to paid all those things like those are all signs you're on the right path and you you know it, it still might not work you might get some initial traction but you got to keep going, keep looking for touchstones that you're on the right path. The, the biggest mistake you could make is to dedicate years to something that's not working. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Jason Cohen's rule of, you know, if you invest two to three years of pretty good time and energy on a product and it's still not at 10,000 MRR after those two to three years, you, you would probably want to get out of that quick. And most people that I know that have had success, they eject even earlier. Not too early, but there is a threshold there that you want to keep in mind. And if you're unsure, I would talk to some people that, you know, have been there before that can let you know, here's, you know, here's what, where you should kind of be. Yeah, yeah that, that was sense. great summary. <laughs> Sorry. Well, th thanks for being a part of our uh, 50th episode and i uh, hope that was helpful for you listeners as well uh but yeah we'll we'll keep sharing our journey in another episode so thanks for listening talk next week bye-bye <laughs>